Welcome to Lonely Town of Killers podcast with Derek and Jimmy. Today, our special guest is Tom Phillips. Whenever we interview someone, we ask for recommendations of who else to interview. And your name has come up multiple times uh, because you have you you follow the killers on the North American leg of the Imploding the Mirage tour and went to, I understand, every concert except for the ones in Canada. Well, I, I did make it to Vancouver. Oh. So so technically I did make it to Canada. It's just the Toronto and Montreal, but okay. But yeah, all, all the shows in, in the United States for sure. Um plus I did sneak Vancouver in anyway when I actually had my passport. So uh that's a whole other story, but go go ahead. Well that that was the background I wanted to give. How did you make it possible to go to so many concerts? How many did you make it to and how how did you make it work? Well, the the short of it is this, is the way this whole thing started was, you know, imploding the Mirage, when, when that album came out, it couldn't have been a better time because as all of us know, it was, it was like the worst year in probably our lifetime, right? And, you know, that the way that album landed, it was so crucial i mean it salvaged the entire year as far as i'm concerned because uh first of all it was it was everything that i wanted from a killer's album to begin with and uh you know unlike some of their other albums it, it was particularly uplifting in a lot of ways and i just fell in love with that album and right then and there i decided that i was just going to go to as many shows as i possibly could right so fast forward uh, a little bit um to when they actually started dropping some tour dates uh i was kind of comparing that with my regular schedule you know my real life work schedule and so forth and i started uh booking these shows in clusters, basically, <laughs> right? So here, here's the deal. Um, I'm typically off on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it was very obvious to me that, okay, all the shows that fall on those days, I'm not doing anything anyway. So we're going to hook those up. <laughs> and then just, you know, from the past experience, it's like, I live on the East Coast, so it's really easy to go from D.C. to Philly, New York, Boston. It's all on the same Amtrak line. So I've been doing that for years for all sorts of bands. Uh, so that's kind of a given. So all that stuff was kind of plugged in. And I, I also have a thing for being at the last show of a tour. Uh, usually I find that's when most bands tend to throw caution to the wind all puns intended in this case. And uh, yeah, you know, like they just go for it. So all that stuff was already part of the plan. And what that ended up equating to was 27 shows, right? Which seems exorbitant, but man, this album was so special to me that I was, it's like, I just knew that it was the best chance to see all of those songs being performed uh, just based on past history, right? Like the killers have this history of doing a lot of the newer tracks and then they kind of fall by the wayside as another album comes along and so forth. And I didn't want to roll the dice with this one. My goal was to see all of those songs. And of course, this is kind of before the pressure machine scenario unfolded. 
but uh so so i had already like committed to 27 shows as it was and uh you know then the ocd started kicking in because i'm like man 27 shows i should just round this up to 30 or something like that and all of a sudden those chelsea shows were announced uh, in vegas so i was like oh all right well things get rounded out rather nicely there <laughs> so we so we we throw those into the mix as well um, and that was a big deal. That was a pilgrimage scenario and all sorts of things of that ilk. But it was there that I encountered my partner in crime for this whole tour, Tyler Young, who who should absolutely be mentioned here because, you know, he's pivotal in like the the end results of all of this. He he owned the RV and we'll get to all that, but I've met him before at other shows like Chicago last December and he was in Kentucky and also in 2021. And uh, we just happened to have a dialogue at the Chelsea and he brought up the RV and I had already booked flights and I was in the progress, you know, rolling through this thing, just getting things lined up. And he just made a point, well, you know, it'd probably be a lot easier, you know, we just like piled in this RV and, and rolled. And he also was the one that pointed out, you know, there's only five more shows besides the ones that you've already committed to. So it didn't take much to twist my arm into going to all of them. So that's that's how it unfolded. So was he already Tyler was already committed to do the whole tour uh, once you guys. No, no, he jumped on my bandwagon for sure. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's cool, though. I, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I have to admit, like, we didn't really know each other. Right. Other than like having met at a couple shows. But at the same time, if you, you know, if you're queuing up with people all day long, you, you get to know them pretty well. And, uh, you know, I'm an adventurer. I, you know, I was I have to admit, I was a little skeptical. It's like I didn't want to commit fully to the RV thing until he had bought all his tickets because I had my <laughs> tickets, you know, but uh, he piled in and uh, he committed to do it. So it, it worked out. And so some of those, I mean, like Salt Lake to Denver, I mean, it's a pretty good drive. It's not impossible, but there's some that you're going from show, you, you sleep at all or you just take off that night. How, how was that kind of arranged? Oh, Halfway man. Halfway or, or, you know, how does <laughs> that travel? So, you know, like, like I mentioned earlier, I, I've been touring for years, like myself, but the difference here was, you know, in those situations, we had a dedicated bus driver that would sleep during the day and then drive the band at night, right? So you just wake up in a new city and it's all great. But in this case, you're right. Like we were driving and that's a whole other ball game, right? So that said, I mean, I, I've, you know, over the last few years have, have committed to packing in as much as I can in as short a time as possible with like my days off and so forth. So it, it's not uncommon for me to drive from say Washington DC to New Hampshire, just to go see the foliage or something like this. Right. And when it comes to rock and roll, then, you know, that's all the more reason. Right. <laughs> so the short of it is this is Tyler he he's kind of a guy that would like to to take things a little more chill he would drive like three hours and stop pull over crash whereas in my case i'm like look man we're driving from portland to san francisco in one shot you know <laughs> that's just the way that's going to be because we, we this is what we have to do you know uh 
knowing that cues have a tendency to start earlier um and there, there's like a big picture mission so you're right like salt lake to denver or even even vegas to salt lake is, it was it was a bit of a haul but now we did those in one shot you know so uh sleep i have no idea what you're talking about i've never <laughs> even heard of that before but um what i could tell you in the first two weeks those first 10 shows uh i slept 30 hours total wow wow yeah, that's crazy because uh, we've interviewed people and all of them are like, yeah, Tom was already there. And, you know, he showed us how to queue up or how the line, and all that work. And I'm thinking he's already there, but he was up till who knows what time at the concert the night before traveled and beats the people in that town coming out to line up in the morning. I, I just, it didn't make sense to me. Sound like it seemed like a time travel uh, story. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, believe me, I wish there was a teleportation device, but uh, you know, Look, it's it's just some of that just broke down to white knuckling it through. I mean, look, if if we were really really haggard or something like that, then we would just pull over. You know, the, the beauty of the RV, and I I mean, the real premise of driving an RV is you could do it in a much more relaxed fashion. Uh, I mean, there's like bunk beds, it's a full kitchen, full bathroom, the whole nine yards. But the thing is, is you know, that doesn't factor in that these are killer shows, you know, maybe if we were like touring, like for some other band, uh, it wouldn't be such an intense thing. But, you know, we were very cognizant that, you know, people are have a tendency to line up early, like ridiculously early, in fact. And and that's honestly, I'm trying to, you know, encourage people to, to think about the reality of it. But that's a whole other topic. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But needless to say, I was aware uh, of that. And so the other thing is this, is that I knew all my friends were going to be at the next location. So it's kind of like, man, you know, we might as well get there and just like get, do this. Let's just do it. And and then we'll, you know, we could sleep later or when we're dead or something, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so how, how did you become a victim? How did you become a killers fan? How far back do you go? Like, is it, uh, you know, first coming off of, of here in hot fuss or, or when did you jump on the, the wagon here? Yeah, it was definitely hot fuss. Um, obviously being on the East coast, you know, I didn't, I wasn't privy to shows in Vegas or LA or anything like that at the time um, when they first came out, but uh, it was Mr. Brightside hooked me. Um, now I, I will throw a caveat in there because I, I worked for tower records for 10 years at, at one point. So I literally heard everything and you kind of become a little jaded and cynical. So I needed a little more than just that to, to commit as a fan. Plus I'm a metal guy. You know what I mean? You know, it's like all my buddies are like, what the hell are you listening to? <laughs> you know? So that's a whole other story, but um, needless to say, uh, no, I mean, Mr. Brightside hooked me like straight from the beginning, you know, a friend of mine was, was always playing it. And I was like, what's that? And, um, I, I still had to, to hear the next record before I, I was really willing to, to put it out there that yes, I'm a fan of the killers. Okay. Um, but that's just the way that it was, man. There were so many bands that would come and go and, or, or they would drop something. And then the next record was like totally disappointing. 
that was not the case here with the killers. You know, uh, it was read my mind. I was like, I love this. I worship like these like vintage synths and things like this. I'm a prog rock guy. So it's like, I love all the like the old school synths and stuff like that. Uh, and obviously I grew up in the eighties. So it's like, it's like, I'm, I'm, you know, hearing like these echoes of, of, you know, watching MTV in 1982 when they played videos and stuff like that. It's like, I, it's like all this stuff is like mixed in there. Um, but I would say it was Dustland fairy tale that made me a victim, like full stop. I was like, that's it. I'm in a hundred percent all the way. And uh, it's been that way ever since, but yeah, I was there from the beginning. So on all these tours, how many times would you say you were first in line for the concert? Man, I'm rarely first in line. First of all, you guys got to remember, it's ladies first always. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not going to be that guy that's just like, out of the way, girl. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the, the truth is, I think I was first once uh, out of this whole tour. And, and look, this is just the way that it's always been. It's like, I don't have a problem with that. I mean... In fact, you know, sometimes it's it's not that big of a deal to be, you know, like 30th or something like that. Quite frankly, you know, a lot of these ladies are rather short. I could just set my camera right on top of their heads. It's great. <laughs> so, you know, no, I, it's very, it's been very rare. You know, there was a couple of times where I was like third or something like that. Um, but it's never about being first for me, you know, um, but uh, I do know that all of my friends tend to be up in the front and I want to be with them, you know, in some configuration. Um, and also there was like a side mission on this particular tour, you know, where that, that involved some band members, but, um, yeah, it's, it's never been about being first, you know? Well, that's what I want to ask about next is, um, my understanding is at some point you got on the radar of at least first, maybe, was it with the background singers or um, well, somebody, somebody recognized that you were at every show and started uh, indicating which number it was or something? Well, the, the, the deal is this is like, I've, I've had some like dialogue back and forth with Ted, like previously we're both guitar teachers, you know, it just, you know, it was a natural thing that we would throw some things back and forth. He's friends with some of my friends and blah, blah, blah. Same thing with Tori. Um, okay. And so she already knew they already knew that I was going to all the shows. And I, honestly, I don't even remember why uh, it was decided that I was going to throw these numbers up at every show. But this was this was between Tori and I. It had nothing to do with with Brandon or, or, or Ronnie or anyone. It, it was literally just a thing where Tori and I were counting down the shows together. And, and that's it. So. Uh, so for those that don't know what I'm talking about is that every night at some point during the show, I would just hold up the number of what show that was, uh, in the, in the North American leg anyway. Was there any show that kind of stood out? I know, um, some different things happened along the way, but was there like one standout show, uh, for you? Oh man. Uh, there's, there's multiple standout shows. Uh, I mean, I can, I can rattle them all off too specifically. Uh, but I'll say this, that one of the reasons why these particular shows stand out, it's because the audience was bringing it and you know what, 
I don't, I don't know if a lot of people understand this, but I, I can say as a lifelong touring musician myself, you know, there's a lot of people that have this notion that, oh, the band's got to bring it. Well, that's only partially true. The thing is, is that the band feeds off the energy of the audience, right? And in the best case scenarios, it's like, you know, you're you're pushing each other further and further and, and it becomes this uh, organic entity that's like inside this liminal zone, right? And nothing else that, that's outside matters, only what's happening right there at that moment. And it, it's feeding off of each other, you know, the, the, the harder the audience brings it, the harder the band brings it. And so that happened uh, several times along the way. Let me say this too. There was no bad show on this tour. However, there are some that just stood out. And these were Portland, San Diego. Um, I'm going to say Vegas, but I have to throw a little, you know, note in on about that. It was the absolute worst experience as far as the queue and the venue ever of any band and i've seen hundreds and hundreds of bands i've played with hundreds and hundreds of bands and i can tell you that was singularly the absolute worst venue experience and queue experience of all time you know i you know if i had a t-mobile phone i would literally cancel it you know what i mean <laughs> just based on that experience but the show was electric okay so that's that was another good one Salt Lake City was incredibly special because, as you mentioned, we had that little pressure machine block. Um, that, that was there was that was a more intimate thing. It, it felt more uh, meaningful in a in a on another level. And then otherwise, Fort Worth, Orlando, the one where they had the golf ball incident. I mean, that was just like the craziest show of all. But Verona, because it was a small venue, of course. You know, there's a little bit of uh, infamy there because that's the one where Brandon called me out. <laughs> but after that, those two Madison Square Garden shows, I mean, dude, how, how could you even like top this? You know, first of all, the audience was on fire both nights, but the second night was like a whole other level. The band was, I've never seen them so focused and precise anywhere. So and the energy was insane. Like we were all like struggling to find a, a point to breathe at that show. It was literally the greatest killer show I've ever seen. And that was before Bruce Springsteen came out. Okay. Like that show was an incredible show and thank God there were like cameras everywhere. I mean, like I really hope that they're going to put this one out because there, there was magic that night. After that, I would say Detroit, and, um, well, obviously the DC shows were special for me because it's like after this whole crazy two month run, the whole tour ends in my hometown. And then on top of that, I hand, had a hand in two requests that actually manifested. And that was really cool. I'm not going to say that those shows were necessarily like everything after that Madison Square Garden night two was kind of like downhill, but we knew that. I mean, or it wasn't like a, like a plummet. It was just like, there's no comparing to that thing. I mean, that was just yeah. so otherworldly. So we've seen signs and we've seen different things, people paying for requests. How did you get your request in and how did you make all that happen? 
Well, actually, Brandon sent out John to ask me, like, for a list of songs that I might be interested in hearing. And, of course, my inclination is to go deep. And I knew I was going, like, ridiculously deep because um, I, I went on, you know, this tour with the premise of seeing all the Pressure Machine songs and imploding the Mirage songs at least all the pressure machine songs that were plausible. I mean, I knew there was no way they were going to do terrible thing or desperate things in a, in an arena situation. Right. But, uh, you know, and, and let me say that I wasn't necessarily going for the pressure machine songs. Initially, this was all about employing the Mirage. So that was priority one. It's supposed to be the employee Mirage tour, but you know, I love pressure machine too. And so that became part of the equation. So then it's like, we rolled in, and I guess there was like five songs that had not been performed, you know, at the Chelsea or sometime last year. And we just want to see all of those. But then my next, you know, mission is always to go deep, you know. So I'm like looking at like deluxe track, bonus edition, B-sides, like things that have never been played before. And in fact, when I, when I gave John my list, he was like, are these killer songs, right? <laughs> right? So... The thing is, um, I actually set aside the songs that I actually want to hear the most. My favorite songs, because they've been performed. So I specifically chose songs that had never been performed or had seldom been performed, right? So, for example, Just Another Girl had only been played in the United States once. And that was because my friend John, Front Row John McDonald, actually was able to request that previously uh back at a another small venue wind creek uh some years ago but it hadn't been played in the state since so i figured that was the most plausible thing and it just so happened to work out that uh our new friend cindy who was part of the crew that we met along the way of this tour you know, the last night that she was part of uh, the entourage, we were having a dialogue at the barrier. And I mentioned that she started telling me this whole story elaborating passionately that that was the song that she wanted more than anything else. And they'd always been kind of dismissive of it. But so I think the two of us combined, like me asking for it and then her having previously, you know, indicated that that's, the, that's her song we got that the first DC show and then moving in to the second DC show, the Anthem. Uh, like I said, the other songs, I knew there was no way they were going to play them. I mean, it would have been badass if they did, you know, and, and I know people are going to wonder, you know, Tyler threw out carry me home. And I agreed. I mean, that was, that's like never been performed. I love the song. I also put forget about what I said, which is a, bonus track from the Japanese edition of day and age, <laughs> but it's ripping. I mean, I don't understand why I don't play it. It's like one of Ronnie's best jams. Like it's, it's like, I'm all about energy at concerts. Right. And that's got energy. So anyway, I knew they were never going to do those. So I, I, I was asked for three and I said, well, let me give you one more. And I threw out West Hills because I knew that was the only pressure machine song that hadn't been done. And so I set aside my own, you know, personal ambitions and, and threw that out there to some extent. I mean, I did want to hear it. Don't get me wrong, but 
it's like I would much rather hear a matter of time or, or a song that is that is you know that I missed on a previous tour because I didn't go to enough shows which again I've rectified that mistake since then yeah. but you know what I mean uh so so yeah I threw West Hills on there kind of as a, almost like a Hail Mary like just in case those others were like so obscure they were like hell with that um and man it did come from to fruition well, from a couple of Nephi guys, we we appreciate you putting that on the list because it was it was great to finally hear that live. Could you talk about the experience where where Brandon called you out and and what happened? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, as you know, I've been like holding these numbers up throughout all the shows, and what happened after Chicago? You know, we we had a little bit of a layover in Detroit. Uh, before we were heading into Toronto. And when I got to the immigration there, well, first of all, they pulled the RV over because uh, it was midnight and, you know, we've got these killers album covers all over it, but that's not the reason why they pulled us over for search. As it turns out, the day before someone was smuggling a human being in an RV and that's why they pulled over. Cause, and, and that's what the cops had said that, that they would pull over any RV at this point. Uh, we were told also that it's not uncommon for people to try to smuggle firearms in RVs because there's so many nooks and crannies. So it, that's, that's like a typical thing. Uh, so, so we got pulled over and they start doing like these checks on all of us. And here's the thing is that between Denver and Texas, I had flown home and unpacked. And when I repacked, I didn't have my passport in there. Oh, no. I only had my driver's license. And I mean, it's been a long time since I'd been to Canada. It was like the eighties. So back then you could just go on your driver's license and, uh, needless to say, I was told that that's not going to be sufficient and they weren't going to let me into Canada, even though I had already just been to Canada and all that. I mean, there's a lot of incongruent things happening here, but needless to say, I got shipped back over the bridge. Tyler drove me back to Detroit. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Uh, this is like, by then it's two in the morning. Uh, so I just decided, okay, I'm going to fly straight to Syracuse and then on to Verona. And uh, anyway, I sent Tyler along with number 20 or 19 and 20. Those were the, the numbers for uh, Toronto and Montreal. So we held those up and then come Verona, right? Uh, we all meet back up and I, I hold my number up as usual. And Brandon's like, not true. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so I have, I'm holding 21. He's like, that's not true. And he comes back to the mic. He says, it's 19 for you. <laughs> and, uh, it was hilarious. Like the, the, the energy was great. Like I think everybody was happy that we were all together again. I'm even the bands like seeing us because another thing that was going on this whole tour was, you know, Tyler and I were the only ones that were constantly bringing it for Johnny Marr and his band. Uh, and we really became like hardcore fans over the course of this tour, right? So if we're not there, you've got strong probability there's like a handful of people. Like there was Yoko from Japan. She was great. She was always there for Johnny Marr. There's a couple other guys like Keith from New York. But um, 
the the truth is is that most people had no idea who he was right so there's this aspect where you know we're up at the front we're rocking like you know we we learned every note every word every beat you know by the end of the tour it's like so so it was like a big deal so at verona there was just like this the energy was very positive um already so brandon was in a playful mood to begin with but yeah he called me out there and as he's walking away he literally like gave me like the shame fingers right you know there's clips on online of it so uh but but it was it was funny but what people don't know is that i followed up on that right so the, the next show uh i did hold up i held up two signs one was for tory and we were still going like that's 22 but I held up another one for Brandon that said Brandon 22, Tom 20 and a sad face. Right. <laughs> and he was, he was cracking up uh, because of that. And then uh, I think the next one was 23 made or no 23 paid 21 made. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so this kept rolling up until Madison square garden. And then I knew things were going to be a little more serious. I knew they were going to be recording those shows. So I didn't, I didn't want to like get too uh, be too much of a distraction, but um, there, there's actually one more funny incident though, which uh, the first Madison Square Garden show, someone else had held up a sign that that was like, "Can I get a hug to to Brandon?" And uh, he was like, "Right now," and so he comes down, and then our other friend Gary. <laughs> was happened to be standing in front of this other other girl and she was like well uh i guess you're gonna have to go through me first and so so he hugged her first right so this this sets up this whole thing right so the next night which is like the the big night right we know like bruce is coming right and there's like 10 cameras all over the stage um, so I didn't want to be too much of a distraction, but I still made a sign that said, missed two shows. Can I get a hug? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I did not get a hug just for the record, but, uh, and I didn't really want one, but I just wanted to make him laugh because, yeah, yeah. uh, I, I, I thought it was hilarious, but, um, so that, that banter went on for a while. So kind of the rest of the tour, there was, there were, there were these interactions that, that transpired and that surely it had some bearing on the request offer being thrown my way. Yeah, for sure. Um, they rescheduled a couple of shows. Do you have uh, plans on, on hitting those up or do you have any other shows coming up that you're going to, you're going to hit with them? Well, uh, I mean, all my tickets are still valid. I had tickets for all three of those that got that, re that were rescheduled. So yeah, we're definitely doing those. And I thought I was done uh, as far as the killers for this year. Uh, there was there was a little bit of a dialogue about going to Brazil, but man, I got to recover like financially. I'm not trying to like lose all my students or something with madness here. So, but as it turns out, uh, then they added this uh, Formula One thing. So it sounds like we're going to Vegas in a couple weeks because I don't know. Last year I went to every public killer show in the united states and uh well i don't see any reason to to switch that up for 2022 so I'm, uh, it looks like i'm heading out to vegas next <laughs> so how big is the group because it's you and tyler going to all these other shows but you've said a few other people how big was like the uh, entourage that you guys would go hang out with and and go to all these shows together well it, it's 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 kind of an interesting thing because you would have 
different groups of people from different geographic locations, right? So there's there's my East Coast crew that we would always be at the same shows together, uh, but they didn't necessarily go out to the West Coast shows, right? There's 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 a handful of people that will like kind of go back and forth, like we. I, I've been known to travel across the states a few times, you know, out to Milwaukee or down to Florida or, or whatever. Uh, so I, I met all these different people in different places. But uh, what was interesting about this tour, well, first, you, you have to kind of rewind things a little bit to the Chelsea. Those Chelsea shows, that's like that was like a, a Mecca scenario where <laughs> you had people coming from all over to, to go to those shows. And it was there where we sort of kind of coordinated, okay, well, I'm going to these shows and you're going to these shows. We'll meet up for those shows. Um, so to answer your question, I mean, you know, I, I would say there, there's probably about 20 people that are, are hardcore travelers that, that may show up at any given location. Uh, but, you know, some of the, the more veteran folks are selective. You know, like they knew better than to go to that show in Vegas uh, in August. So they instead chose Salt Lake City and they chose very wisely, as you know, because we got a very special show there. So there'd be things like that. But, you know, I, I would say when, when it comes to like inner circle type stuff, yeah, it's probably about like five or six people, really. But there was an interesting component because you had like these folks coming over from England, right? See, they weren't able to, to enter the United States last year. So they missed all those shows. You know, they were literally forbidden from entering the country. So they're kind of making up for lost time. So you had this whole component uh, of the British coming over and other people from Australia and Belgium. And, and we talked beforehand when, a lot of us. So we knew that we were meeting up as well. And so it's funny, like there, there's, there's a guy, David Cope from uh, England who ended up doing a good chunk of this tour with us. You know, uh, he was able to add a lot of the shows um, as well. So, but there, no one, there was no one else that did all the shows, you know, there, it was just like little clusters where, like I said, where it just kind of makes sense, you know, if you're like in LA, LA and Vegas, you know, that makes sense, right? Uh, Texas, like those three Texas shows are all, you know, within two hours of each other, East Coast stuff. So you would have people that do these pockets. But um, yeah, our friends Gary and Leslie uh, and and our newer friend Melissa, uh, they, they were with us at the beginning of the tour and they came to see us at the end of the tour too. So you had some things like that as well, where it, it all kind of came together. There's, there's a really cool photo that just finally popped up uh, that uh, Doviak from Johnny Maraband just posted where you see like this, this group of people like from all over the United States and England all together with Johnny Mars band in front of the Anthem in DC and uh, that that's, I don't know, I guess that's really like the core. Unfortunately, there were a couple of folks that went to go do their makeup and hair that missed out on that, but they should be acknowledged too, you know. Sorry, Anna. But anyway, yeah, it was a cool deal, man. There's, there's a lot of, lot, of, lot, of, uh, lot of old friends and a lot of new friends along the way, you know. And I, 
since I did run like probably 25 of these queues, I made it a point to talk to every single person in those queues throughout the day at some point. So if there's somebody listening and they're thinking, this sounds like something I want to try in the future, uh, whether it be killers or whatever band they're into or whatever, you got any advice for somebody that's going to take on uh, a North American or a European tour and try to hit every, every gig? Well, my first bit of advice is just in a general thing, right? Uh, and that's just from touring in general, especially if you go overseas, bring some Charmin. Like bring your own Charmin because like, I don't know what's going on over there, but, but that toilet paper is like sandpaper, man. Like that's that you don't want to mess with that. So make sure you bring that. Um, but, but secondly, look, here's the thing is that most bands, you don't necessarily have to do this relentless thing that we did as far as queuing up, like, just as an example, before all this, uh, I did several tours uh, with the band King Crimson, right? The old prog band from, you know, cor- uh, you know, 21st century schizoid man, been around since 1969, right? So uh, I, I did several runs with them in the United States. In fact, so many that I ended up working for them, but that's a, yet another story. But um that was a whole other ball game because in that case, and this is the ideal scenario, you had seats, right? So there was no queue. Um, there was a specific time to be there for a VIP experience or something like that. But otherwise, I was able to do all sorts of you know really pleasant stuff. First of all, I was able to sleep in. <laughs> and then secondly, um, yeah, you know, it's like I may go like hike up a mountain or something like that, right? I, I'm like, I'm big on the outdoors, right? So I, I went to all these national parks and state parks uh, at every stop of that tour, or I explored a new city, you know, I'm in Atlanta, so I go to the aquarium because it's famous, you know, it's like one of the best in the world. So I do that. And I also, you know, rolled my foodie stuff into that too. I knew exactly where I wanted to eat before I got there. Um, and so, yeah, if you're in a, a position to do that with a band uh, and you can make it more of an all-encompassing experience, man, there's, there's nothing better. Uh, but to do something like this, where it's like literally city to city, queue to queue, you know, I had some incredible hotel rooms that I never stayed in, you know, <laughs> it's like I, I, I might get like two hours of sleep and, or a, in a shower, but, you know, you know, this is my advice. You know, if you're going to do something like this for the killers or try to do something similar, you got to understand that it was hard. This is, I mean, it was a lot easier when I was 20 years old and someone else was driving me around, you know, but then you, you like factor all this stuff in. Uh, it, it was rigorous and I'm still recovering. I mean, I've been back for like a week and a half. Well, as soon as I got back, I went out to Indianapolis for, for a Pink Floyd related thing. But, you know, <laughs> so I didn't really stop that long, but I'm, I'm still recovering. You know, I mean, look, I mean, I'm sure I have plantar fasciitis now. Like my legs are all jacked up. Uh, my sleep schedule's totally messed up. So um, it's not for the faint of heart. That's, 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 that's what I'm saying. The better move is to probably think about those clusters. Like I was saying, it's like, look, East coast is really easy to do. 
you know, Amtrak Northeast Regional hits all those major cities. You could do that and in a very comfortable fashion. And and I guess that this, we've gotten to the point where I, I'd like to make a point, which is, listen, I understand that we all get excited for this stuff, but let me just say this for all those people out there that feel compelled to do some stupid cue at, you know, the night before or something like this, this is absolutely not necessary. It seriously is not necessary. I can tell you that almost all of the shows on this tour, it was the same 10 people there at 9, 9 a.m. And that was the same 10 people at 2 o'clock when the next person showed up. There's no need for the madness. And that's that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I was trying to, to demonstrate. It's like, yeah, okay, if you if you are dead set on being at a specific place on the barrier – fine but if you're if you got a vip thing look most people showed up from four o'clock onward but there was no situation other than let's see it was vegas new york city nashville there were a lot of people for whatever reason but man there was never more than 15 people before 2 30 so do yourself a favor and actually get some sleep (laughs) don't don't get pulled into the hype there's no need for that you know and then yeah look other than that look you got to hydrate for sure make sure that you get some rest make sure you bring some sunscreen there there were crazy experiences on this tour that I, i mean we went from deserts to mountains to through like rainforests and swamps and oceans you know you're dealing with all different atmospheric conditions right I mean, look, in Phoenix, we were sitting in front of that venue after they moved us out of the shade directly into the sunlight during the hottest point of the year. It was like 104, uh, just like straight up, but it was super humid. And I mean, the sun was burning through our umbrellas, right? It, it was it was nearly a war crime, you know, to, <laughs> to put us out there, quite frankly. So, uh, yeah, you got to be prepared for anything. But, you know, the flip side, we're in Cleveland. And here's the other thing about this whole tour that was crazy is that for most of it, you know, we're dealing with this heat wave. Then about, you know, the last 10 shows, all of a sudden, we're dealing with a cold wave. A cold front has come through. Uh, we're dealing with after effects of this hurricane and all this kind of stuff. And we're literally one day off of like a gorgeous... 72 degree day but no we get the 50 degree day that's like cold windy and raining right so so we're in them having to instacart blankets to the to the queue because we had to get there so early because we're dumb you know that's that's the reality of it it's like we're instacarting blankets just think about how crazy this is right like we're literally doing runs to target to buy winter clothes because we were inadequately prepared you know? So, uh, yeah, you got to understand this was tough. This is not for everybody. You know, it was, and maybe if you were going to buy seats for all the shows and it was a relaxed scenario, then you could do it in a much more rational, calm and enjoyable way. But this, this was just rigorous. It was brutal. Um, but I mean, I'm ready to do it again. So, I mean, I guess I'm just a glutton for punishment, but uh, I'm ready to roll. Ready for whatever comes next. Um, 
so I'm a truck driver for my, my day trade. That's what I do. And so driving through big cities and stuff, I realized how not easy that is. And then the parking scenario on top of it. So just out of my pure curiosity with the RV and parking in these uh, major cities, how, how was that managed? And how did you find spots to find a parking spot near venues? Quite frankly, we just parked illegally <laughs> because we just figured the parking ticket was easier to deal with than, uh, you know, trying to like, you know, shoehorn. Uh, now, I, I want people to understand the RV, it was, wasn't that much bigger than uh, a regular, like a, like a FedEx truck or something like that. It wasn't like a giant RV. It, it was, uh, the width was just enough so that it fits in a standard parking spot. Right. But the length, you know, it hangs over about four or five feet. So uh, if there was a scenario where we could park uh, over some grass and like have like the end of it jutting out, then it would fit in a single parking space. Um, most of the time we were pretty successful. I, I mean, honestly, <laughs> um, everyone thought we were part of the, the entourage. So we just park next to the buses sometimes. Um until I pointed out to Tyler that, look, man, we don't have a AAA pass. So when they lock those gates, we're not going to have access to, to those. And and he has his two dogs and giant cat in the RV wow. at all times. I mean, that's his house, right? So, you know, they, he's got to get there to let them out, you know, periodically. And, and before anyone freaks out, they have their own climate controlled scenario. There were solar panels on top of that thing <laughs> that controlled a separate uh, air conditioner and heater that made sure that they were comfortable at all times. They had plenty of food and water, you know, and, and they've only ever lived on the road. But the, the thing is, is, yeah, man, we did what we had to do. Like when we could find a space. Uh, on spot hero or something like that uh or you know some of these apps you're able to put that this is a like an oversized vehicle but i think almost in all cases like new york city for example we managed to find street parking two blocks from the venue and uh it was a thing where we talked to the cops and they were like as far as we're concerned you're a commercial vehicle which satisfied the requirements on the sign you know we were like, we weren't going to turn it down. And I mean, <laughs> now, now, Tyler was a little more honest than I was, you know, cause, cause I would have been like, Oh yeah, we work for the killers, you know? <laughs> but, 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 he, but he was never comfortable going that far, but yeah, a lot of people would stop by and, and ask us, you know, Oh, you guys got the merch or what? You know? <laughs> so uh, we, we had all that, but yeah, man, we parked wherever, you know, it, it just, we did what we had to do. Um, I mean, sometimes we, we, we lucked out. The one advantage of getting there early to some of these venues is they, they have the regular lot prices, but then they have the event prices later on where they like jack it up like three times the amount. So, but when you get there early to these shows, the one thing is, you know, you could probably park for like seven bucks instead of 30 or something like that. So yeah, we were, we were okay, man. I mean, it, 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 the bigger concern was like sometimes, uh, you know, obviously we're using the same apps that you're probably using to make sure that you're not going to be hitting low bridges or something like that. That that was always an issue. Uh, but we only had one one time where we ended up on the the Henry Hudson Parkway outside of New York, and that that 
they have low bridges. We, we managed to get off before we encountered anything like that. But um, that was a bigger issue than parking, believe it or not. Oh, yeah. There's definitely some clearance issues across the, the country. We won't get into that either. But um, what's your relationship with the band now? We saw you got the symbol. You had the the the, fig, the signs for the uh, numbers. You got requests. What uh, I guess what's your relationship now with everybody or do you keep in touch with anybody? I mean, I'm still talking to Tori. You know, uh, I, I gave her some of my old uh, guitar pedals and things because I, 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 she has this pedal board that had a lot of cool stuff on it. And I, it just like, you know, I, I, I kind of retired from doing the, the band thing uh, back in 2017. So it's like I'd rather see this stuff go to good use. Uh, so I pass some stuff off onto her and, you know, so we stay in touch. Uh, I'm a hundred percent sure that we're going to stay in touch with the, with the guys from the Johnny Marr band, because I mean, they're just like some of the best people ever, including Johnny himself. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's like, you know, Ted's always within reach, uh, you know, I, I think that the bottom line is at this stage, you know, people at least know who we are, right? It's like, that's the thing. I mean, I think it was Erica that had mentioned to someone that Brandon has an incredible, like, you know, like, I don't know, like if it's like a, a photographic memory or what, but like he has an incredible memory, right? Uh, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but there was a scenario where someone wanted to play drums for for reasons unknown, that actually had already played with them. And he was like, you know, you look really familiar, right? Uh, are you sure you never have done this before? And this would have been years before, you know, and I, I don't want to throw anyone on the bus here, but, but the thing is, is that he had, right. Uh, and that's a hilarious story also, but like I said, you know, I'm not trying to get anyone into trouble, but, <laughs> but the thing is, is that Brandon has like, a, it's like a steel trap memory. You know, it's like, he knows people's faces. If he doesn't know their names for sure, he knows folks. Uh, and look, man, I, I got this big ass beard. You know what I mean? I'm kind of hard to miss. I'm always like up at the front. So I know that the fact that he knew that I wasn't there and no one told him that I wasn't there because someone had asked about that and no one, no one had actually mentioned to him. Oh yeah. Tom didn't get in. He, he noticed it himself. So, uh, but I know he knows like folks, like there's, there's people like, like Jenny and uh, from England and, and John McDonald that, you know, they're legends, like real legends. And uh, he knows all those folks. And there, there's, there's uh, the people that are always there, like most of my, my friends and that, you know, they're constantly in the front row. I mean, there's, there's some girls from L.A. that are always there. They're always in the front. You know, uh, same thing with like some East Coast folks. I, I know he recognizes those people for sure. So um, and that's something, man. I mean, it, it's like it's not that big of a deal to me because it's, it's like I've been doing this stuff myself for years, you know, but it's appreciated, obviously, you know I mean? I'm not trying to be dismissive either, but I don't, I'm not one of these people that puts them on like a pedestal, like, Oh my God, this is like, you know, some rock stars. Like, dude, I played with like people way bigger than you. So, <laughs> you know, um, I don't, I'm really not trying to be dismissive. It's just like, you know, there's other people that they're like, 
obsessed to the point where it's like, you know, like these people can do no wrong, but look, you know, I, I get like that for Steve Perry. Okay. Like I I'll freak out for Steve Perry, you know, and, and I did when I met him, but um, you know, it's, it's very few people where I'm like, you know, starstruck or something like that, because it's like, man, I've been in those same trenches and probably worse ones. And for a longer time, I mean, my band started like, you know, 12 years before there was a killers and we were out there doing crazy things, you know, sleeping on top of amplifiers, rolling down like, uh, and in an unheated van in the middle of winter with everyone, like just shivering together. It's like, you know, we've, we put in our time, you know, and I've, headline festivals too so it's like you know i don't have necessarily have the same kind of um i don't know awe and shock when it comes to them uh to me we're all part of the same you know industry so uh you know hopefully we have a good rapport i think we have a good rapport i i, I think that if, if if anything they know that we we're really there we're there for them and they can count on us to be there because we love that music, you know, and that's the most important thing. I think you've mentioned your band a few times. Is there somewhere that people can find your music or. Uh, we don't want to get into that. Yeah. Listen, man, you got to remember, man, I'm, a, I'm come from like some extreme metal scenario. No one wants to jam that. Like, let me sum it up like this. My, my band sounds like if you took good night, travel well, mixed that with terrible thing and dustland fairy tale and then gave them downers right <laughs> it's so depressing that that like I, I mean if people were inclined like again i'm i'm retired at this point but my band my my main band for 33 years was called while heaven wept that's w-h-i-l-e heaven wept w-e-p-t it's all over. You could read my whole life story. I've lived a very public life. It's all out there, you know, but look, it has very little to do with the killers other than it's very emotionally intense. It is very over the top, but like I said, it's, it's, it's very grim overall. It's not really something that, you know, if you just broke up with someone, you should probably not listen to that, you know, um but yeah no i've been involved with a lot of bands over the years uh i worked for record companies i've worked uh for distributors i worked on the retail side it's like my whole life has been in the music industry um uh, so you know this is all part and parcel and and i mean i guess the, the 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 biggest takeaway here is you know for as jaded as i once was working at tower records having heard everything I still have the passion for the music all these years later after all the crap that I went through with my own band. And, uh, and believe me, it's like, you know, at the worst, it's like, it's sometimes it's like you're, you're married to like six people or you're divorced from six people, but you still have to get on stage and, and deliver because your audience expects it from you, you know, and you don't want to let them down but it's, it, it can be hard. So, um, at any rate, you know, the fact that we can still show up and be that inspired and fired up about music in this day and age after all of that, <laughs> I mean, I think it speaks volumes and that's also how good the killers are as far as, you know, their songwriting and, uh, man, I love the fact that they keep flipping the script 
You know, it keeps challenging me. Like who would have thought pressure machine, right? No one saw that coming. Yeah. You know, that was like such a, like a left turn, but it's so deep and powerful and meaningful that uh, it, it's a whole different thing, you know, but it, it's like, I get it. And I, I'm, I'm there for the long haul, man. That's, that's, you know, there's this theory that there's only a thousand true fans of any artist or band or what have you. And I believe that's true because I think a lot of people are still clinging to this, like, hope that they're going to go back to a hot fuss or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's like, yo, that was like 20 years ago. You should probably, like, find another band that resonates with you <laughs> if you're not like digging the last seven albums, you know, or something like that. Right. But, uh, no, I mean, I, let me ask, can I ask you a question? Sure. So, so how did you take pressure machine? Well, I'm from Nephi, so I took it different than probably anybody is. It was uh, a reflection of our lives, kind of where we came from and some part of the killers that was never really addressed. So we, we grew up, and once the killers made it, we were kind of like the what about us people. We'd go to concerts. Uh, and you're they, not from Vegas. You're from Nephi. Yeah, saying you're from Vegas. We'd go to shows, and, you know, if we're from Fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada, and Brandon might say a couple of things about, about growing up in Utah or something occasionally. So we kind of felt like uh, the forgotten behind kind of people to some extent, you know. Uh, I'd probably blow that out of proportion from what it really was, but it's kind of like the, hey, what about us? So when Pressure Machine came out, one, you know, it was it was something to have it from our small hometown come out about our small hometown. Uh, the songs resonated uh, with what we'd grown up with. And then, you know, it's just kind of became more of uh, the style of music I'm kind of into. Not so much Jimmy, but I'm more into like the older country music kind of stuff. So when you had some, uh, you know, some steel guitar and that kind of a thing on there, I was really into it. But uh, I, a lot of the killer fans didn't react that same way. Um, so for me, that's how it was. I don't know for Jimmy, he can answer for himself. Yeah. I think it was for us. It was just the word that we came up with when we started the podcast was it was, it was validating in a way because <laughs> when, when we hear killers and anyway, killers album comes on, you know, we, we listen for Nephi references or, you know, he talks about main street and track street and, you know, Andy <laughs> people that we know. And, um, so yeah, for him, for it to finally be, you know, it came out about a month before the album came out and they said the song is going to be based on this town. Uh, for us, it was just, I guess, real validating. So we, we like it for that reason. Even, even if we don't like all the songs, we don't like all the, I don't like all the deluxe version. You know, I don't like West Hills too, but. <laughs> well, well, I mean, who does, but that's another story. But now, now so, so, so you guys like having grown up there and, and, and whatnot. So you feel like, uh, is it it's an accurate picture like over the course of that album i mean you know it's like anything it's it's a story and i think the story's based in the town uh but it rings true like i don't think there's just a bunch of people on opioids <clears throat> but there's not just a bunch of people that are perfect either so i think the picture it paints is fair uh, i think when it came out we were nervous about what might be said or what might be portrayed because brandon had moved on to vegas he didn't have the best uh years and i mean he never spoke highly of nephi he wanted to get out there's albums about leaving this uh two stars yeah yeah well i mean it's like all the way along, along the way yeah and, and so it, it's like he wanted to get away from it but yeah uh, obviously it left a a pretty strong impression at i, I mean for what it's worth listen where, where i live in virginia 
just maybe like 15 minutes to the west, you're in the middle of nowhere, okay? Or or when I was growing up, that was the case anyway. So, uh, you know, for what it's worth, this is like all small towns, right? He really did nail it. I, I mean, it resonated with, with, with me because it's like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about because – you know, you were either a jock or a prep or you were a troublemaker, right? You know, and I, I mean, it kind of broke down to that, you know, or you were like, like, you know, it's like we had the outcasts, like the people that were like skaters and metalheads and, you know, gangsters or whatever. But, uh, but, but otherwise it's like you had like the, the, the people that were all about like the, the sports or they were like the intellectuals, right? And, you know, typically what followed in that outcast scenario is like you had a lot of people getting into drugs. You had a lot of people getting into crime. Uh, there was certainly like there wasn't a whole lot to do. You know what I mean? That's that's the only reason why that even happened. It's like you're you're trying to entertain yourself. And, and I think when you're younger, you don't always necessarily appreciate the mountains or something like that. I mean, maybe, maybe to some extent it's like kind of woven into the fabric. But I think everyone has that 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 urge or that thought that well what else is out there right that that tends to burn a little bit and and people don't always necessarily appreciate that at the time and and maybe that even factors in a little bit with where Brandon's coming from like swinging back to it yeah no i definitely think it's been fair um i think uh, i think it was john <clears throat> when we were talking to john air and kind of asked him some questions about when it first came out and he says it's more as a it was a love song or a love letter to Nephi, you know. Um, I think it's fair. Uh, I think it's been well-received. I was a little worried about what some people around town might think. I mean, because you are talking about, you know, kids dying, hit by a train, all that's real stuff. People dying with opioids, uh, what's going on, you know, people keeping secrets. Uh, but I think overall it was a fair depiction. Uh, I think, you know, Brandon's came back to town quite a bit more than what we knew about anyways beforehand. And I think it's been, you know, received with open arms. So. I think it was a, a a great album. It came out at the perfect time, and, and I'm glad we got it personally. Well, and and for what it's worth, you know, we we did stop and pause for a moment by those crosses, okay. like uh, on our way. You know what I mean? Just to to just just you know give a little respect as we rolled through. But but like I said, listen, the whole album resonated like as, as someone that's been to a lot of small towns and, and grown up around them. Uh, you know, now it's all, you know, it's like a freaking metropolis now, but, but, you know, 40 years ago, it wasn't like that, you know? So uh, it, it rang true for us too, for whatever that's worth, you know? Yeah, that's kind of been the surprise to me. Um, after we did hear it, I thought, well, who's going to, you know, who's going to care about this? This is about like our experience growing up in the, in the nineties in central Utah. But uh, the more people we talk to, we get that same story of, well, I grew up, you know, in the Midwest or I had, you know, I was going to whatever this, this church or doing this kind of stuff. <clears throat> and a lot of people have those same kind of stories of like, you know, it, it's very relatable. Even people, you know, over, over in the UK or wherever, it's been a pretty relatable uh, album. I think more so than when I first heard it and thought, well, this is going to be interesting to see what happens after this, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'll say this, that uh, my thought on the whole thing is it, it's not made for arenas, you know, and and that's the, my one gripe about it coming out in the middle of this imploding the mirage cycle. It's like I feel like what really should happen 
uh, is something similar to what King Crimson did. The last few tours, they were doing old theaters and opera houses, right? Maybe like, I, I don't know, like a three to 5,000 capacity, right? But these were, I'm, I'm talking like old, you know, like theaters for plays or, or and, and acting theaters, right? Um, but they, they have incredible acoustics, right? So my thought and my feeling about the whole pressure machine thing is the killers could do a run of that album and select tracks from the past. Like, I mean, blowback acoustic is infinitely superior and more poignant than the album version. For example, um, uh, you got things like be still and Sam's town that things they've already done acoustic before. Right. That you could like fill out a set with, you could strip it all down and, and make it that raw visceral and real thing in a more intimate setting where that, where you could do a terrible thing and desperate things and it actually fits um, into the context. Uh, I, I really think, I mean, look, you know, you've got these like Riverside Theater in Milwaukee, Warner Theater in Washington, D.C., The Beacon in New York City. I mean, this that's really what they should do is, is take that album out uh, because you're right. It may not appeal to everybody, but if it was promoted as th that's what we're doing, it's a limited run. That would be the perfect forum for that, you know? And of course they should go and do something like this in Nephi proper. Right. I, I know they came through for notes from a quiet town, but I mean, and actually we heard in Salt Lake city that there was going to be something happening in Nephi. Um, so much so that one of our friends actually rolled out there just in case that, that <laughs> something was happening between uh, Denver and Texas. But uh, maybe that's still going to happen. And I, I really hope it does because I think that would be appropriate. Yeah, we talked uh, with the guy that was kind of setting that up on a couple episodes back and it kind of fell through. But maybe there's hope in the future. I, I'd love to see something like that with Pressure Machine. I guess we'll see what happens. They're doing the new album and all that now and, and still got the international tour going but i'd love for something like that to happen in nephi i think that would uh that'd be great for the community i think it'd be great for the killers uh it'd be great for brandon to come home and and you know be accepted getting that love that maybe he didn't think he had back in high school you know just to kind of bring it all back together i'd love to see it but uh, we'll see what happens well, they, they've never exactly been a band where that always goes on the most logical moves, you know, so, so, so sometimes like there are opportunities missed. And I hope that that isn't the case. Maybe maybe they'll hear some of these things and they'll take that under advisement, you know, because, uh, you know, there there is like a deep rooted connection for all of us in one way or another. And. You don't want to alienate those people. Those are the last people you want to alienate. You know what I mean? You don't want to do, become like like the band that's just playing hits and nothing but um, just to to like roll, you know, like bankroll everything. You know, it's like it, it, there's you got to find the balance between things. And I hope that they manage to do that as they release more records because they're gonna. There's no, there's only a few options for them at this point, which is either a you need to take a page from Bruce and start doing these longer sets, or or b you know maybe start rotating in some more some deeper cuts and 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 you know not just going for 
you know, the obvious every time. Because admittedly, this tour happened to be the most samey of of all so far. Um, but no regrets because there were some magic moments and whatnot. And, and the payoff was still there. And the biggest payoff was definitely spending time with some really awesome people, meeting some awesome people. Um, and uh, I mean, we're talking about stuff for life here. You know, this is not stuff that's just like some fleeting moment. So everyone's going to see everyone again. So hopefully everyone's still cool with each other. You know? <laughs> but I, I wanted to ask about the symbol, uh, how you came about getting that and what show was that? Dude. At and, and how did that happen? Yeah, well, See now, now we're gonna get get me into trouble here. But here's the deal. So that happened to, to be. We don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Look, like I, I, I'm, I'm gonna put it out there because it's the truth, and that's how I roll. So that show was Nashville show, and it happened to be the decennial for Battleborn. Little backstory: the four four days prior to that, we started holding up these signs that said Battleborn Decennial in four days. And then Battleborn Decennial in three days. Battleborn's going to be 10 years old tomorrow, right? We were holding these signs up all the way up to that point. We're not requesting anything. I mean, I didn't request anything the whole tour until I was asked for a request. You know, that was never my 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 goal here. But I'm I was just pointing it out, right? But I wasn't the only one that was aware of this. So come the morning of Nashville... Everybody that showed up there was like, yeah, the, we're, we're here and we're hoping for some Battleborn love because, um, you know, it's a big deal, you know. And, and I, I, for whatever reason, Brandon has always kind of shunned that album, you know. And, and I think it's, it's not justifiable. I get it because I've put out albums that, that were difficult to make. And my relationship with that material is is a bit strained as well. But I also understand that there are people that those are the songs that mean the most to them, right? So you kind of have to set aside your your personal issues with that stuff and and think about the bigger picture sometimes. But anyway, so we went so far as to print up T-shirts of each song right. on that album, right? We went through and, and got everybody's shirt sizes that morning. Tyler and I were brainstorming the whole night before coming out of Atlanta. Like, what can we do to like, to, to really like, you know, celebrate Battleborn. And, you know, the idea came up of shirts. We were going to do the bolt. We put the, got the song titles. We got, we even went and did the bonus tracks, you know, that's how, that's how far <laughs> we went. So, um, uh, and we had signs that like you put a cell phone behind them, they would light up that corresponded with the shirts and all sorts of stuff, but it wasn't just us. That's what a lot of people don't realize is that there were entire other groups of people that had banners of like Battleborn stuff. I mean, some of it was like a little like far-fetched, you know, like there, there's no way they're going to bust out prize fighter or something like that. <laughs> but I appreciated the effort, you know what I mean? And I appreciated that it was, it was related and we were, we were celebrating Battleborn. So, all right, long story short, we roll in, you know, we're all at the barrier, all these different people from all these different groups that are like pushing for like some kind of Battleborn acknowledgement. And I don't even think that was going to happen, quite frankly. Um, and we knew things were going to be off because as soon as he says, we're going to do something special tonight, uh, but it's not what you think. 
and <laughs> it turned out to be the, that the uh, the guy that did the video for Quiet Town was there, and so they they oh, yeah. played that in the background. But as soon as that happened, we knew as soon as he said it's not what you think, we were, I was like, he, they're not going to do a damn thing for Battleborn. But we didn't care because we didn't we we celebrated it right. But I, I think what ended up happening is um, the rest of the band were they knew that it was a Battleborn thing. I told some of them, quite frankly, like leading up to this, you know. So it's not there's no way they didn't know. Um, and they, it was acknowledged on social media, right? But once it got to the point where they started Runaways, we literally all held up these sides at the same time. It was across the entire front barrier, you know? And he's like, we're only doing one song from Battleborn tonight, and that's Runaways. And But we didn't, I already knew that was going to be the case. I didn't care. But at the same time, it was deflating. I mean, there's no two ways about it. It's like you know, let's, let's switch things up. I know it's tough to learn, relearn songs on the road and all that kind of stuff, but that's why we kind of gave them some time to think about <laughs> this stuff. Completely. Right. You know, it wasn't like there was logic to everything that we did on this tour sort of, I mean, other than doing this crazy tour to begin with, but the thing is, is to get to the symbol, right. Um, it was at the end of that show. And for whatever reason, most of those people that were holding up signs that had t-shirts, they all walked away with set lists that night. Some people got sticks. Some people get got guitar picks. And I'm sitting there, you know, I'm sure some people are aware that I've been posting photos for a few years now of, of killer shows. And I, and I really try my best to get really awesome pictures as like souvenirs for people that were at the shows or people that weren't there, like at least they're cool enough for people to enjoy or something like that. So I'm just doing my thing. Like I'm like grab some shots of Ronnie and I'm like, Oh, someone put up a sign for a symbol. you know, all right, cool. And I was like, man, dude, he's getting really close, man. I got to like try to zoom out. And I'm like, then I realize he's bringing the symbol to me and I'm like, Oh, Oh, I, dudes i didn't ask for it i like there were people at other shows that had signs asking for symbols so i thought that's what was going down i didn't know that was coming my way and i mean you'd have to ask ronnie like where that was coming from was it because like we were bringing it in the front like up to that point at all those shows uh or was it some kind of an apology for not doing battleborn you know i don't know i, I like believe me i i've i've i thought about both <laughs> components but um I, I appreciated it you know although look man i'm a guitar player it's like i don't know i'm gonna sit, sit there like ting 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 i don't know but uh no it's awesome it was cool um but it, it kind of caught me off guard and it's still kind of like that's crazy that that even happened but um yeah i don't know where it came from but i i, I suspect it's somewhere in the in the middle between like uh, the rest of the band feeling bad for not like delivering on Battleborn, but also, yeah, I mean, these are the most hardcore fans and, you know, giving them some, some love, you know, and that's cool. You know, one last question I wanted to ask is as a musician, you probably recognize a lot of things that someone like me wouldn't at a concert. What's, what's something from specifically this most recent tour about the production value of the concert that you recognize and appreciate that maybe a non-musician would 
wouldn't understand. Uh, one thing I could say about this this tour is it was a huge step forward in terms of the production values, right? Uh, Stephen Douglas really outdid himself with all of the visuals, um, and the Killers are finally starting to grasp this journey component. I don't mean the band, <laughs> but I mean like making a concert or journey, and and you'll and you notice like they're having more and more of these like segues, like one song spilling into another and they're doing it more effectively because in the past they would try to connect things that really didn't go together and it just didn't work. You know, in my mind, I always like, was like they would try to do like this thing where they would go from bright side to all these things that I've done. And I'm just like, dudes, that's a terrible transition. What are you doing? I mean, but now they're, it's like, oh, this is the same key. This is like a cool vibe. You know, beyond, uh, you know, I think everybody knows this, this runaway is going into Read My Mind, right? But now, like, uh, the transition to Dying Breed, I mean, like, the, these kinds of, of details, uh, there's a lot more thought to it. There's a much better flow overall. Um, so there's that component. I think that they're doing better with the sound quality as well. I, I feel like on previous tours, like, you know, the bass was just blowing everything out. I, I feel like everything was a little more balanced on this run. I know it kind of varies from venue to venue. You know, they're definitely making it uh, more exciting too. you know, just the sheer number of confetti cannons involved is like, you know, it's gone up a couple notches there and uh, oh hi sam by the way he 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 does a great job when he makes sure that they're pointing the correct direction but <laughs> just like a, the overall experience it, it's it's much more professional i guess like it, it's seasoned and that is something that like let's say someone last saw them circa battleborn or something like that they should definitely come back around to go see this tour or, or the next run because uh, there have been some serious forward strides across the board. Um, you know, there's, there's other little details too, where it, it's just like the, the camaraderie there's, there's, there's different vibes, you know, and, Man, we could probably have another episode about like some of that stuff, but uh, I'm cognizant that there are different relationships now than there were in the past, right? Just just as an example, the way that Brandon interacts with Ted, it, it's it's like, and the way that he interacted with Johnny Marr, you know, these these are like really special things, right? And that that kind of add to the experience. And you know that they're enjoying themselves and that makes it more enjoyable, I think, for the audience as well. You know, so. If anyone wants, that, wants to get a hold of you on uh, like social media, um, you said Facebook and Instagram, uh, where can they find you at? Yeah, like Instagram, I, you know, I got this rock and roll traveler account, which is basically predominantly killer stuff right now. But, you know, you could see all of my other adventures like, you know, um, other tours the King Crimson stuff, you know, and, uh, uh, if people need suggestions on where to eat, I'm always, I've always got that covered, you know? <laughs> so, um, but no, yeah, I, I've spent a lot of time just traveling in general. So, 
uh, or, or if there's bands out there that are getting ready to go on tour, I'm, I'm sure I have like good advice with regards to that. They can reach me. People can reach me on Instagram, Facebook. You can always find me through my band while I haven't wept. Yeah. I mean, I'm around on Twitter, but not, not really, you know, but so I, I'm easy to find, you know, the beard stands out, you know, everybody seems to know who I am so they can always just point or notify me or send a smoke signal out or something. And I'll <laughs> definitely be in touch. Nice. Well, we appreciate your time and coming in here and, and sharing your stories with us. I think this will probably be our longest episode ever the way it's going. So we appreciate you taking yeah, some time for us. You. Hey man, anytime. And I mean, it's par for the course, you know, I, I hold, I hold the record for like the longest interview for my previous record company as well. But uh, man, it's a lot, a lot of info to pack in, you know, for, you know, two months of, of being on the road and then you throw some history on top of that. It's, it's hard to be concise. Let's yeah, put it that I, way. I definitely think we might be in touch or there might be a future uh, follow-up show down the road, but um, let's do it. This yeah. is Tom Phillips, the rock and roll traveler. And that's another episode down from lonely town. <laughs>